Amen. How many is that your favorite song? Uh, the old rugged cross. Amen. It reminds me, I saw Brother Vic back there raise his hand. He tells me everywhere he looks, he sees the cross, you know, and that's kind of what led him to the Lord. And, you know, I'm thankful for the cross tonight. I'm thankful that uh, it couldn't hold our Lord and Savior, though. Amen. When he said he was finished, when he said it was finished, he didn't say he was finished. And we're getting ready for our winter season, and we got a lot of things coming up, guys. We got our our uh, turkey run; it's going to help feed a lot of families this year, amen. And then right after that, we have our miracle of Christmas play, and I'm looking forward to doing that with so many new members who've never been able to be a part of that. So we've added another scene this year, haven't we, Brother Vic? We're going to put the old rugged cross up in the middle with Jesus on it, but we're going to put those two thieves beside him this year amen that'll be our new scene i'm looking forward to that dr gene williams what a blessing it was to have you this morning my friend i love you brother amen dr gene had his his dear friends come this morning and they took him to papa Do's. and uh, i hear somebody's gonna take your dear friend to papa Do's one of these days but I, I ain't got it like that i guess i gotta preach a hundred years to okay, get that yeah. Come on up, Dr. Gene. Give him a round of applause, guys. 
Amen. It's time to get up now. Okay. They say that I have no problem after I get to the pulpit. It's getting to the pulpit that's trouble. <laughs> well, amen. Now, you want me to preach now? Well, I, I want to say this to you, brother preacher. Yes, sir. Preach up. Is it time for me to preach? All right, you should, uh, well, sit down then and I'll preach. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, about this morning, uh, I want you to know that anybody to preach the Word of God and God works. Amen? Yeah. It was just a privilege for me to be here and see those people saved, but if the pastor preached, there have been people saved. If uh, Anyone that God has pointed preached that would be uh, something that God wanted. Amen? Amen. And you see, it isn't uh, the, uh, the sermon. It's the Holy Spirit using the sermon. And uh, praise God, the Holy Spirit works today. Amen? Amen. Now, uh, this is a friendly church. Isn't it a friendly church? Yeah. People out that, that met me here said this is a friendly church. And they, it was true. It is a friendly church. But I'll tell you what. There's a difference between being friendly and being a true friend. Amen. One thing to say, hi, you doing? <laughs> if that thing keeps on fussing at me, <laughs> did it go out now? Good. I'm not good. There's none good, no, not one. <laughs> but the thing is, uh, uh, it, it, you know, a lot of people say, well, I'm, fr I'm, I'm a friend, no. You can be friendly, shake hands, pat on the back, say, God bless you, we love you, all that. That's being friendly, but that is not necessarily being a true friend. Yeah. A true friend is someone that does something that is really important. Amen? Yeah. And I'm going to read to you about true friends found in the Bible. And if you have your, how many of you brought your Bible, say amen. Yeah. Now, I can tell a Bible-believing church and a Bible-preaching uh, preacher about how many people bring their Bibles, okay? And so I'm going to ask you, if you will, to turn with me to Mark. The second chapter, and we're going to begin reading there with the first verse. Mark, the second chapter, with the first verse. And I'm going to read about some men that are really friends. It says there, the inspired uh, Holy Spirit uh, uh, led uh, Mark to write, and again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much about the door, and he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, or one that is paralyzed, which was born of four, which was carried by four. And when they could not come near unto him, for the press or the crowd, they uncovered the roof where it was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed where the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, the faith of all five, he said unto the the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now I want you, if you will, to look at that third and that fourth, those four, four verses. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was paralytic, which was carried by four. And when they could not come near unto him for the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed where the sick of the palsy lay. Then Jesus forgave his sin, and later he said, Take up our bed and walk, and Jesus healed the man. Now, dear friends, these fellows that took that man to Jesus were real friends. They were not just friendly, they were true friends. Uh, suppose they said, Hey, look, uh, you, uh, oh, buddy, we love you. God bless you. We love you. Let me shake your hand. Let me pat you on the head. You're such a fine fellow. Now, what we're going to do today is we're going down to see Jesus. Now, Jesus is a great prophet. He's a great uh, healer. Uh, we think he's the son of God, the savior of the world. Now, all you got to do is get on down there where Jesus is, and he'll forgive your sin, and he'll heal your body. But we want you to know you are invited to come. We'll have a place saved for you, and when you get to feeling better, you just come on down there where Jesus is, and he'll heal you. He'll forgive you. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you later. We have a place you're invited. God bless you. We love you. See you later. They will not have been true friends. Well, you see, that guy could not walk. And they could say, oh, I love you so much. Come on, we have a place to save you until he died. And still he would never be healed because 
they couldn't get to Jesus. He could not walk. Now, sometimes uh, that guy, if they had minimized his condition, I say it again, if they had minimized his condition, they would not have been true friends. But sometimes we minimize the condition of our neighbors and our friends we work with and our friends we go to school with. We said, oh, they're fine people. Now, they've done, you know, they, I don't guess they've ever made profession of faith or been born again, but if anybody's good, they're good, you know, you know. They vote for the same people I vote for, and they tell uh, jokes that are not too bad. And, and I tell you what, I, uh, if, if anybody's going to go to heaven, they're going to make it because they're pretty good people. Now, dear friends, if they've never trusted Christ as Savior, they're bound for hell. For all of sin that comes short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, and the soul that sinneth it shall die, and all the people that have never been born again will go to hell. And dear friend, if you minimize their condition by saying they're pretty good people and they're, you know, they might not have ever really been born again, but they're pretty good people, so they're okay, you're not a true friend. A real friend minimizes nobody's condition. A real friend will understand that those people that have never trusted Christ as Savior, those people you see day by day, those people in your class at school, those people where, uh, that you work with, those people in your neighborhood, your relatives and friends, and all those people are lost and bound for hell if they've never been born again. And you're not a real friend if you minimize their condition. Real friends will never minimize the condition of those around them. Sometimes we minimize the condition of our loved ones. I never shall forget one time I was in Louisiana, South Louisiana, at a place called Patterson, and that's close to Morgan, uh, Morgan City. Or, and so I actually... Uh, was talking to this lady, and she said, listen, I want you to come see my husband. He's not a church member, and I'll tell you what, I, I really and truly need uh, you to come because he, he really needs to come to church. And so I said, I'll be glad to go there if the pastor will bring me. And so the pastor and I went, and we knocked on the door, you know, and, and he sa uh, she said, come on in. And, and we, we went to the den, sat down, and she said, how about some coffee? I said, boy, she, she's got enough sense to get out of here and let us talk man to man with her husband. And so I said, yeah, I'd like to have some coffee. And as she was fixing coffee, I began talking with the man. I never talked at a man. I never talked even to a man. I talked with a man. I let him talk as much as I do, but I tried to guide the conversation. And so uh, as we talked together, he said, yes, I know that I've sinned, and I know that I, I deserve hell. I know I can't save myself. I know that God loves me and that Jesus died for me, and I understand if I invited Christ to come into my life and save me and do it, and I said, all right, I'll tell you what, let's, do, let's get on our knees and I'll ask the Lord to bless and to use you. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll ask the Lord to help you to call on his name. For the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so therefore, if I'm going to pray and ask God to help you do this. But then you ask the Lord to come into your life and save you, okay? He said, fine. And we got up to get on our knees and she came back in with the coffee. And she said, oh, now John's not such a bad fellow. Uh, he works with Little League and Boy Scouts, and, you know, he's a good man. He, he pays his debts, and, you know, he makes a good living. And, you know, we go to church on Sunday morning. He's so wonderful that he stays home and cooks dinner, and it's hot and ready to eat when we get home. Isn't he wonderful? And she complimented him into hell. No longer, <coughs> no longer did he have an idea. Uh, it, have you ever had anybody fuss at you like that? <laughs> uh, he keeps fussing at me. Now, be quiet. Don't do that anymore. <laughs> but uh, the thing is, uh, she, uh, she, uh, she said, uh, he's a good guy. He stays home and cooks dinner. is hot and ready to eat when I get home. Isn't he wonderful? And as I said a moment ago, she complimented him into hell. You see, the thing is, he needed to be saved. And she kept him from being saved that day. He was just about to call on the name of the Lord. And I tell you, he would have been saved, but she kept him from being Why? because she minimized his condition. She didn't realize how serious it was. And the thing is, uh, she could say all she wanted to about him coming to church and all of that. He would not do it until he got saved, praise God. And so therefore, uh, we minimize the condition of our loved ones and our friends and our neighbors, but sometimes we minimize the condition of our children. I don't believe in pushing children down the aisle. I don't believe in pushing children to be baptized. Let me tell you something. All of my three children were saved 
at an early age, but we never told them to join the church or be baptized. We just showed them how to be saved. And I realized that the, the thing I needed to do was to show them how to be saved so as soon as they were old enough to understand that they were lost, then they could be saved. And there I did not push them to, I never shall forget. My daughter came to me one time, I was shaving. And she said, I, uh, Daddy, I need to talk with you. I said, I'm shaving. She said, I know, but I need to be saved. Well, I didn't care about the shaving cream. I just wiped that off me and I told her how to be saved. And she got saved that day, praise God. But it was two years before she joined the church. My son, uh, uh, Randy, came to me one day, and he had been listening to Billy Graham on the television. And uh, he, she, he said, Daddy, are you going to heaven? I said, yes. She said, Mama, going to heaven? I said, yes. Uh, she said, I'm not. He said, I'm, he said, I'm not. I said, what do you mean? He said, I've sinned, and I deserve hell. I said, what have you done? And he, he was kind of young, so I didn't know, understand how much about sin he understood, but he named sins, a bunch of them, right down the line. And I realized he really was a sinner, and he knew he was a sinner, and he understood that he was lost. And I, so I took the time, and it took me about two hours because he was not very old, and he could not read very well. And so, therefore, I could not give him the scripture in the Bible. I had to explain it all. But, friend, in a couple of hours, he understood enough of the Bible to have faith. For the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so therefore, he understood the Bible. And so then he called on the name of the Lord and he got saved that day. It was two years again before he walked down the aisle and professed Christ. It was another two more years before he was baptized. But I tell you what, you ask him where he was, when he was saved, and he'll tell you it was after listening to Billy Graham on television when his daddy showed him how to be saved. Now, dear friend, I don't believe in pushing your children down the aisle or your grandchildren, but you need to show them how to be saved. And by showing them how to be saved, when they come to the age where they can be saved, then that's when they should be. But join the church won't save them anyway, so don't push them to join the church. I never shall forget when my son Tim, who's one of the finest evangelists I know, uh, came to me one time, I was trying to go off in a revival, trying to pack up, get ready, and I didn't want to miss the tra plane. And so uh, uh, she, she said, Daddy, I got to talk with you. And I said, okay, I've tried my best to get ready, son. I, got, I don't want to miss this plane. He said, uh, Daddy, I, I need to be saved. Well, I said, uh-oh. Uh, and I took the time to show him and to lead him to Christ, and he got saved that day. I, I, and he said, I know I'm saved. He called on the name of the Lord. The Lord saved him. And, and you ask him today, where were you when you were saved? He'll designate that time. But then I, on the way out, I said, now, tell, tell your mom about it. I said, Dorothy, i got to leave, but uh, Tim's got something to tell you, you know. And so he told her that he had been saved, and praise God, uh, he'd been saved ever since. And he began witnessing and witness, winning his friends to Jesus right away. And I never shall forget, uh, he told his little friend, Jimmy, what to do to be saved. Jimmy went home crying. His mama called us up and said, now, don't you let Tim talk about God to Jimmy anymore. Well, normally I might have been willing to say, okay, but I, I, for some reason I said, no. The Lord is Tim's best friend. You can't tell me to tell him not to talk about Jesus. And, fi and finally she understood that I wasn't going to tell Tim to do that. And so what did they do? They took him to an old-fashioned Methodist preacher. He examined him. He, he talked about things with him. And he said, well, the only thing wrong with this boy, he just got saved. <laughs> you know? And so therefore, uh, yeah, but praise God, sometimes we minimize the condition of our children. I was in a revival meeting one time in Hearst, Texas. And uh, a lady came up to me after the first service. Sunday night we began that service because I closed out a meeting on Sunday morning at another place. And I started that night. And people were coming by shaking my hand in front of the pulpit, and she was the last one to come. Just her and the pastor in that auditorium, pastor uh, down the aisle looking at us. She said, I got to talk with you this week. I said, go ahead right now. It's a good time. She said, okay. She said, uh, I've talked to lots of people about this, but uh, I want to ask you about this. She said, my daughter, when she was nine years old, two years ago, came to me in the, and, and before the evening service, and she said, Mom, I want to be saved tonight. I want to go forward, and I want to talk with the pastor, and I want to pray with him, and I want to get saved tonight. She said, honey, you can't do it tonight. You see, I was 12 years old when I was saved, 
your grandmother was 12 years old when she was saved, it is tradition in our family to be saved when you're 12 years old. You cannot be saved now. You're not old enough. You must wait. You can't do it today. But she said she cried all the way through the invitation. She said she cried herself to sleep that night, got up the next morning, ate breakfast, went to school, and was hit by a school bus and killed. Hearst, Texas. That happened. She said, is my daughter in heaven or hell? Well, that's a hard one to answer. I said, I don't know. Maybe she did trust the Lord. You don't have to come forward and trust the Lord. You don't have to talk to the pastors to trust the Lord. Maybe she did, maybe she didn't. I don't know. Why didn't you say, well, well why didn't you say she was in heaven? Because that would have been a lie. I did not know. I don't know even till today. But she left, and the pastor came up to me and said, Preacher, I know what she was talking to you about. His name was Lastly. Mother Lassie said, well, uh, she, she's been talking to every preacher in this uh, county about it. Every denomination and every evangelist that comes from other places, he talks with them. And she still doesn't know. Some say she's saved. Some say she's in heaven. Some say they don't know like you did. But uh, still, she has not been able to sleep for nights and nights and nights of two years because she doesn't know if her daughter was kept from being saved by her not allowing her to go forward and talk with the pastor and pray and trust Jesus as Savior. So listen, dear friend, I don't know, but i tell you what, that lady made a big mistake, amen? Yeah. I don't believe she should have pushed her down the aisle, but do not keep them from coming to Jesus, amen? <laughs> do not keep them. But they, a true friend will not do that. These were true friends. I know they were true friends because they did not minimize the condition of this man and I know that a person that cares about their child or their grandchild and they understand their condition will be true friends amen but now there's another reason why I know that they were true friends and that is because they were willing to do something and to cooperate to do it to get that man to Jesus now uh, uh, you know that one of them could have gone and tried to take him to Jesus he couldn't have gotten him to Jesus now he might have thought he could but when he got to that house, he could not get that man on top of the roof just by himself. He did not know he was going to need, need four of them when he started off. But uh, the thing is, he could have gone and just one guy help or two guys help. But all four of them came to help. And all four of them walked together. And if you're going to carry uh, something that's heavy, you've got to walk together and put your foot down at the same time. Yeah. And uh, so I could just see him as he walked along. And every time they came to a mud to pull the water, they had to stop and vote. <laughs> shall we go around this muddy puddle the right way? Or shall we go around this muddy puddle the left way? Or shall we walk right through this muddy puddle of water? You say, well, don't you believe in democracy? I certainly do. They all voted unanimously to take him to Jesus when they all four picked him up to go. Amen. That's when the vote came in. And then in order to carry out the vote, they all followed somebody that chose to be the leader. Now, there's your leader. I realize he's not the, mo the, the brightest guy in the world. I realize that he makes mistakes. If you don't think he makes mistakes, ask his wife. She knows he does. But the thing is, he's your leader. And the thing is, the word pastor means feeder. I've never known a pastor, I've never known a shepherd to drive the sheep over in the land, of uh, the land of Canaan, the land of Palestine. Now, in America, sometimes they drive sheep, but not here, in, uh, not over there. They lead their sheep, and they feed their sheep. And I tell you what, it's his job to lead and to feed, not to drive, not to do that, not to stand behind you, but to be ahead of you, and God will lead him. Amen. 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 He, our, uh, you know, his wife thinks he's pretty, but uh, I don't know about that. But I know one thing, uh, I know one thing, uh, a real, uh, if you're going to work together, somebody's got to be the leader. And uh, you stop at every place and vote where we're going out this way, that way, and go right through the muddy puddle of water, you're never going to make it. The old devil's going to put all kinds of muddy puddles of water all over the place. And they were willing to work together. Now listen, the way to work together is if you witness to somebody, Maybe they don't trust Christ as Savior. Then they come here, some guy preaching another church. 
and they don't trust Jesus as a Savior. Then they come to something like you had last night, and they heard the gospel in a nutshell. And then they come this morning, and I preach, and they get saved. Who brought them to Jesus? All four of them worked together to bring him to Jesus. God did the saving, amen? But you did the bringing. And the thing is, we need to understand, we might not see the, the results. But the thing is, what we need to do is to be real friends and to do something and to be willing to work together to bring people to Christ. Amen. Now, uh, that's the reason why you need Bible study, and you need Bible teachers, you need people that will invite, people that will work, people that will invite others, all, all together bringing people to Jesus. Amen. Now, I know that they were true friends because they were willing to do the unusual also. You see, the thing is, not only did, did they understand the condition of the man and did not try to minimize it, not only did they or were they willing to do something. And by the way, there are many people that understand the condition of lost people. They, they, they understand it completely. In other words, they, they do not minimize the condition uh, of the lost people. They know they're lost and bound for hell. They know they're helpless and they need Jesus, but they'll not lift a finger to bring that person to Christ. A real friend will not only understand the condition of the man, or the woman, or the child, or the, or, or, or the friend, but they'll be willing to do something and really work together with others to do something to bring Christ to them and them to Christ. Amen. So therefore, we need to be willing, no matter what, to bring them. But now, the, fourth, the third reason why I know that they were true friends is because they were willing to do the unusual. When they got to where Jesus was, they couldn't get in, so they quit. Is that right? They couldn't get in, so they said, you know what, we're, we're, we're going to quit having Sunday night services. And that's something, the people don't, they're not, not rich enough people, so they quit having Sunday night services. And others, they quit having services in the summertime. Others, you know, they quit having anything that will bring folks to Christ. Because it's too much trouble. It's too much work. No, dear friend, when they couldn't get in, there were too many Pharisees on the inside. There were too many people there. They could not get in. They did not quit. They did something very difficult. They went up a rickety ladder way. Now, it was not a wide stairway. If it was a rich home, it would have been a wide stairway. But it was uh, uh, Peter's mother-in-law's home, and that was not a rich home, and so they had to go up a ladder way to get on that roof. And it took all four of them to get that man up on top of that roof on that ladder. And so they, what, what did they do? They began to dig through that roof and, and some of the debris fell on the people down there, the Bible says, and they, I'm sure they complained, look at what y'all are doing, get that stuff all over us. And there might have been somebody on the lower floor because you see uh, uh, Capernaum was not uh, that big and, and, uh, uh, but the house was full and there were too many people in Capernaum to get all of them in the house. And so a lot of people were not in that house and so there might have been somebody walking down the, by the side of that house. They look up there, they see those guys on the roof, and they say, what are you guys doing on that roof? We got to get this man to Jesus. To Jesus. Well, you're just a bunch of fanatics, what you are. And I can hear what I'm saying, I'm going to quit. Did you what they said about me? They call me a fanatic. You know what a fanatic is? Listen carefully. A fanatic is somebody that's closer to God than you are. Think about it. You know what? They didn't say, oh, they called me a fanatic. Listen, they went ahead and dug through the roof. Amen. And I want you to understand that they're going to talk about you. They're going to laugh at you. They're going to ridicule you. They're going to call you names. But it doesn't matter. Praise God that you're a fanatic. Amen. But the word means, the word, uh, it, comes to, uh, it comes from the word to make hot. And the word fan, with the word an attic, fan attic means a uh, it's like that fan that uh, the man uh, that uh, is hitting that, that, that piece of metal that blacksmith uses to heat up that fire and make it hot. And dear friend, that's what you need to be. You need to be one that makes things hot. Amen. And that brings people to Jesus because you make things hot. You know, there's uh, so many times I've known people to say, well, you know, 
we'll just have uh, normal things that won't offend anybody. And they get to where they don't win anyone to Christ. And the churches in America, they can go a whole year. I'm talking about Bible-believing churches in America. They go a whole year and never baptize anybody because they have given up all those things that people will use to ridicule them and to call them a fanatic. Praise God that some want to be real friends. I want to ask you a question. Do you consider that you are a true friend? Or did you get your mouth shut when you know you should open it and tell people how to be saved? Let me tell you what I do. Even people that I've never met before. And I don't use this only, but this is one of the things that I can ask you to start doing it. And so if you'll start doing this, it'll mean something. So I'm not going to give you four or five things I use or 10 or 12 things I use, but just one thing I use. Listen carefully. If I met a person, I've maybe known them for a long time, or maybe I just met them. I'll ask the question. I don't say, hey, you going to hell? I don't say that. I say, may I ask you a question? And that's the question I use. May I ask you a question? How many people will say no? <laughs> you can't ask me a question. I have had only one person to ever do that, say no. And that is a taxi driver in Las Vegas. But, uh, but everybody else, hundreds and literally thousands of people that I've asked that question, not one of them except that one guy has said no. So I say, may I ask you a question? And they'll say yes. So they've given you permission. So they can't get mad. I've never had anyone to get mad at me either except that one guy. <laughs> the second question is, not, hey, you saved the lost? No. The second question is, what do you think of Jesus? And they can't get mad at it either. Some of them say, well, he's my Savior. Some of them say, he's a great man. Some of them say, well, uh, you know, he's a good man. Some of them say, well, he's the Son of God. And you can use any of those to start talking about the Lord. And about half the time, when I ask them that, they say, I don't know what do you think of Jesus. Well, they shouldn't have asked me that. <laughs> I can talk about because they asked me the, they asked the question. Tell me about Jesus. What, what do you think of? And so I can tell them about what Jesus did for me. And therefore, countless people have been won to Christ just using those questions. How many of you would try to do that? Raise your hand. We'll try to use those questions. Now let's go over them. May I ask you a question? Say that out loud. What do you think of Jesus? What do you think of Jesus? That's it. And it goes on from there. Then you choose what you're going to say. Amen. But now listen. Some of you need to get your friends. Some of you need to get your relatives. Some of you need to bring some people tomorrow night that need to hear the gospel like those that were here this morning. And they'll be saved. Some of you need to think of right now about someone that you need to go get and take to get something at McDonald's and then come on to church. Don't say, I'll meet you at church. They'll say, yeah, I mean to meet you at church. And they're not lying. They meant to do it, but they, something just happened. They didn't make it. But if you pick them up, take them to McDonald's, you'll get them to come here. Amen? Amen. Now also, listen carefully. Billy Graham found that over 90% of the people that make decisions in his crusades came in the same vehicle with the person who invited them. No, they didn't say, we'll meet you there. They said they went and got them, and they were in the same vehicle, okay? Amen. Now, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to ask you a question. Tell the truth now. How many of you can have to say there are times when I should have witnessed that I failed to do it? Raise your hand. Hands down. How many of you would confess and say, Lord, forgive me for that? 
And I really want to be a witness. Raise your hand again. How many of you want to be real friends, true friends? Raise your hands. Hands down. Talk to the Lord right now. Ask him to use you to be a witness tomorrow. And if it doesn't work tomorrow, then even if they don't come till Sunday, amen. But do your best as God uses your best for his glory. Now let me ask you another question. How many of you can say, Preacher, I know for sure that I've trusted Christ as my Savior, and I know if I died tonight, I'd go to heaven because I've been saved. Would you lift your hand high? With it up, just thank God that it's true. Hands down. How many others would say, I'm not sure I've ever been saved, but I don't hate God. I don't hate God, and I don't want to go to hell. I want to be saved before it's too late. Lift your hand right now. Just put it up until I see it, and then put it down. Whether you're lifting your hand or not, why don't you talk to the Lord right now? Tell him you're a sinner. He knows you are, but he wants you to admit it. Tell him you can't save yourself. He knows that too. But he wants you to admit it. Ask Jesus, who died on the cross for you, who bore the punishment for your sin, to come into your life and save you, not just help you save yourself, not help you to be good enough to save yourself by your works, but save you by what he did at Calvary. He's able to come in and save you because he was raised from the dead. Right now, just talk to him. Right where you sit, ask him to save you. Tell him you trust him to do it. Thank him for saving you tonight. Did you pray that prayer? If you prayed that prayer just then, look up at me. If you just then prayed that prayer and you trusted the Lord to save you just then, just look up at me. Thank you. How about you? Are you ashamed of him? Or do you trust him really and you're thankful for what, for what he did for you? Did you ask the Lord to save you tonight? Praise God. Did you ask him to save you? And you, did, you, did you really mean it? Did you really ask him and do you believe he did? Tonight is when he saves you. Are you ashamed of him? In other words, you wouldn't mind if these other people here knew that Jesus saved you tonight? Well, if you ask him to save you and you believe he did and you're not ashamed for them to know, I'm going to ask you to stand up right now and I'm going to ask you to come to the pastor right now and pray with him. There are others that need to come too. How about you? Are we thankful for these? Amen. Our others need to come saying, I want to trust Christ as my Savior tonight. How about you? There's some coming. How about you? Right now. We're going to stand and right now while the music plays. Those of you that need to come and say, I'm going to be a true witness. I'm going to witness and bring my friends to Christ. Then you need to step out and come and get on your knees down here and just ask God to help you do it by his power. And then others need to come trusting Jesus to save you. Right now, let's stand together. And while we listen to the music, let God have his way. On your knees, let's be real friends, real friends, not just friendly for real friends. Still, there are those who have not been saved yet. You may come to the pastor and just say, Pastor, I need to talk with you. Heavenly Father, you see these who come. Help them right now to commit to you, no matter how fearful they may be, no matter how tough it will be for them, that they will be witnesses, and that you'll bless in such a way that they'll want to continue to do it. We pray it. Lord, help them. Use them. Lay some people on their hearts tonight that they need to invite 
at least to come to church if not to trust Jesus as Savior. Lord, help them to be a witness. We pray in Jesus' name. You can stay here and pray as long as you wish, but if you really believe and trust God to use you to be a witness, you just step out and go back to your seat. Amen. I'm going to turn the service in just a moment to the pastor, but after we get through, Pastor, I want to say a word before you close. Hallelujah tonight. Keep praying. Keep praying. You need to pray? Keep praying. Ain't God so good? Ain't God so good? We had two tonight for sure that gave their life to the Lord. Amen. What about a revival? Amen. I'd hate that my time be done as a pastor of Caney Creek Cowboy Church. and We didn't have things like this. Where we could be a friend to someone who really needed Jesus. Amen. It thought, I thought about a story as, as, as Pastor Gene was preaching tonight. It was a, a pastor. His name was Pastor Stewart. He had a 10-year-old son, and he wanted to take him fishing. And His son said, Daddy, can I bring my friend? And he said, yeah, you can take your friend with you. So they went out that weekend, and he rented a boat. And they'd never really fished before and never really knew anything about boating. But they just wanted to go fishing. So the pastor took his son and his son's friend. They went out and they started fishing in the lake and they was having a good time. And all of a sudden the boat began to sink. And uh, they had life jackets for two, but they didn't have life jackets for three. And they did all they could and the water started coming over the top of that boat. And, and he, the pastor was panicking and his son was there and they were trying to hold on to the life jackets. and. And, 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 his, and the pastor had to make a decision. The dad had to make a decision. He decided to give that life jacket to his son's friend. His son drowned that day, but his friend lived. Years later, there was a revival meeting just like this, and a pastor about 35, 40 years old came into pastor's church and preached and told that story. And he said, I was that friend that was saved from being drowned. And your pastor was the one who spared my life. And I was thinking about that tonight. If I could do that, I don't know. But I know I can do this. I can keep these lights on. I can keep drawing a crowd. With your help, we can keep loving them when they get here and presenting opportunities on Sunday night, Wednesday night, throughout the week, all that. And there, he was so excited that four to 6,000 people were coming over here to hear the gospel. And the rain kind of put us off the way we normally do it. But it got out the word through the song last night. How many can honestly say tonight, I'm going to turn it back over to him, we're going to close, we're going to let you go home. How many can honestly say the word has been like a life jacket to you? That no matter what you're going through, you can put it on, and it's going to be there for you. He said, I am the word. He said, I am the word, the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. What a great revival. Pastor Gene, if you want to. Well, I wanted to say, uh, I, I, all the reason I provide my books and uh, the tapes, I mean, the VDs, the DC, whatever they are. Uh, <laughs> they were, they were eight tracks when you got started. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, what, the reason I do that is because it all goes to missions. If it went to me, I, I, I don't know what I'd say. But. I, I can honestly say that, that I really worked, for instance, the one on Revelation. I taught that at Liberty when I was a professor there. Later on, I taught that at, at uh, Luther Rice. And uh, so I took, I kept all the tapes and notes, and I later on decided I'd write a book that laymen could understand. 
And as layman could understand it, maybe some of the preachers could get it too. <laughs> but in any case, uh, we're hoping that you might uh, like that book. It's on the book of Revelation. I, I got it out oh, there that's a devotional book. I use it myself. And actually, uh, that devotional book, uh, if you'll do what I ask you to, you'll read through the Bible in one year. And out of the extended passage, I ask you to read each day a different passage all the way through the Bible. I take two or three verses, then I print those Amen. and comment on those. And it's a, it's a good thing to have for your daily devotional. Some people give them out for Christmas. And then uh, others, too, also. What I got one out there called Your Pastor is an Angel. And the pastor wanted me to get everyone to get one of those books, okay? And uh, the Get two copies. One, one time the pastor's wife said, yeah, he's an angel. He's always up in the air harping on something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that be me. So anyway, but anyway, if you'd like to have that, that's fine. I got another one there. Uh, it, it's, a, it's all about my life and different occasions. I, I want to kind of tell one experience. I think we have two or three minutes left. And uh, I actually, I was preaching a view of a call. I was 20 years old, and I was preaching a view of a call at a little church called Hope, H-O-P-E, Baptist Church. And I wanted them to call me for many reasons, but one, re uh, one reason that really wasn't very spiritual is that uh, my, my girlfriend that I later married lived in the larger town that was <laughs> close by this little country church. And uh, I was going to preach on Sunday in view of a call, and uh, I, I took her to see Baylor and A&M play. A&M won that game. Mm -hmm. and on the way back, uh, my car broke down. I was so glad her mother was with us because <laughs> we were up all night long. We got off the bus coming from that, I don't know where, but finally uh, uh, intermediate the stop was Austin, Texas, and we finally got to Yoakum by 6 o'clock in the morning. I went out to preach, I went to eat, and I said, now folks, I'm gonna go in, got this borrowed car, I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get some rest. Because I got to preach tonight and I didn't sleep all night long. And so uh, I, 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 did, I got in the car and I went in, I said, now, Dorothy lives close by, I'm just gonna go see her for a minute. <laughs> now, have you ever been in love? That's right. Well, I didn't get any sleep that afternoon either. I just couldn't break away from Dorothy. And so I went out to preach, and I told, I told one of the deacons, I said, now there's all the, the rooms are taken, a uh, training union, and so what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to go out to the car, and I'm going to pray. Well, I really meant to. I went out there, and I got behind the pulpit. I said, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and I went right to sleep. Now, I don't know how long I slept, but I know that uh, Deacon Wilkinson came up uh, outside, and I heard him coming, and the, the, it was in the fall, and the window was down, and I recognized someone was coming up, and I, so he didn't know I was asleep, and so I, he said, Brother Williams, it's time for you to preach, and so I went in, I, there was a door right over there, and I went and sat down, you know, and I thought that they were just starting the service, but they'd already had the service. <laughs> they had the, all the songs, they had the offering, they had the special music, they had two or three hymns after the offering and the special music, waiting for this praying preacher to come in. <laughs> and as soon as I sat down, Deacon Jacobs uh, said, all right, we'll turn the service over to our preacher for the night. So I got up, and folks, I don't use notes, never have. I memorized my outline, and huh, man, I, did, I forgot where I was gonna preach from. And I, I was just 20 years old, and I, I knew it was somewhere in the, in the book of Acts, and, and I, I just kept on, uh, I said, everyone turned the book of Acts. And I started thumbing through Acts, hoping I'd find something <laughs> that I could preach on. But I was only 20 years old. I didn't have many sermons. And I came finally to Acts uh, 16, and that rang a bell. I said, everyone turned to Acts 16, 17. And I began reading Acts 16, 17. But that wasn't it. I did have a sermon then on the Philippian jailer, and that wasn't it. I just read all the way through the 16th chapter into the 17th chapter. And I kept reading in the 17th chapter saying, Lord, show me something I can preach on. And, uh, and I, I kept on reading and finally came to Acts 17, 16, which was about the unknown God. And I was going to preach that sermon that night on the unknown God. I preached the sermon and I just knew that they would not call me as their pastor. 
but they did call me as their pastor. And this is what I heard that they said. They said to the church close by, we, we call this young man, he's young, but I'll tell you one thing for sure, he really believes in praying. <laughs> <laughs> and he really believes in reading the Bible. Amen. <laughs> so they called me as their pastor, and we had a successful ministry Amen. there. That's one of the stories I tell in there. Amen. There are a lot of others that are embarrassing, Amen. you can read. Amen. But uh, it's there, so if you like. Now, if you want to get all, each one of each of the books, we'll give you a discount. It'll be seventy-one dollars worth of books for fifty dollars, and we'll be glad for you to get a blessing there. And then also now, after I said all that, do you have those names? All right, he's going to read them out, and I want all of you that he, if he calls your name, if you will, to come over here and sit on the first three rows of this section over to my right. Okay, so stand up as soon as he calls your name. Only Brown. Harry Sanders, Carl Starr, Josh Thurman, John Thurman, Mary Wise, Nolan, Tommy Lott, Dean Wheeler, Debbie Roslin, Rayford Goldman, Vicki Froud, Lita Massey, Sherry McLean, Fred Lott, Miss Buckaloo, y'all pick which one. <laughs> Samantha Floyd, Linda Nixon, Cheyenne Suggs, Victor, okay. I got it. and Dalton Grimes. Thank you. Thank you, God. Where do you want them? On the front three right rows? Okay, yeah, we got them. Okay. Now, we want each of them to give $10,000 on the building fund. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Y'all, <laughs> uh, the, the rest of you can leave. We're just going to... Uh, I will tell, how many of you love the Lord? Raise your hand. I asked the pastor's wife to write down the names of people who love the Lord, and she said there are a whole lot more than 20. And uh, I said, well, this, the 20 is all I need. And what I want to do is ask you to help me and the rest of us to fill this building full of people Tuesday night. Now, could you do it by yourself? No. no. Can you do it by yourself? But if all of us work together, could we fill this place full of people? Amen. Tuesday night? Okay. Here's what we're going to do. Everything God does is organize. When he fed the 5,000, he had them sit down by 50s. Why? So he, the disciples could get to them. When he, when he organized the tabernacle, in detail it was. Why? Because God is a God of organization. Yes. The universe is organized perfectly. Amen. And the molecule is too. Your DNA, that's, that's, that's God's work. And uh, in addition to that, aren't you glad you're organized? Aren't you glad your eyes are not on the bottoms of your feet? <laughs> or your mouth is the small of your back and you lose lots of weight? So here's the thing is, we're going, we're going to uh, organize. And what we're going to do is ask each one of you to fill one row over here in the middle or maybe two rows on the side, okay? All right. Now we're not going to put your name on those. We're going to just because I don't want to embarrass you. We're not going to ask you to say how many of you filled it. Now I don't do that. We're not going to say how many of you didn't fill yours. I don't do that. Not going to say one word about it. You're going to do this for the Lord. We're not going to give you a reward for doing it. We're going to do this for the Lord. But I'm going to give you a number, okay? And if you forget your number, call the person next to you. And that's what is their number, okay? <laughs> All Amen. right, are you ready? One, two, three, four, five, six. Are you one of them too? Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. You're just fourteen. 
15, 16, 17, 17 never been kissed, 17, 18, 19, 20, are you on there too? 21, all right, that's it, any, any more? Anybody want to volunteer? 22, 23, 24, 24, 24, 25, 26. All right. All right. Now we got 26 now. So I want you to put 26, not on the front rows, but we're going to fill those with other people, okay? That get saved. Amen? Amen. All right. But to start with the second row and put numbers at least down the center aisle and look for your number. Tell people to find your number and sit there. And if they don't sit there, you don't fuss at them, okay? And somebody, somebody fills theirs and fills two rows. We're not going to fuss at them. We're going to say, praise you, Lord. You helped them to fill my row, okay? All Amen. Right. Amen. So let's, uh, let's ask the Lord to help us, okay? Lord, in the name of Jesus, I realize that the devil works against me. I realize he hates what we're doing. Yes. And Lord, I pray that you'll bind him on the basis of the blood of Jesus in the name of Christ, that he'll not be able to hinder, that he'll help, help these people remember to do this, to call the right people, and, and the people they just accidentally, seemingly accidentally see, that they'll invite them, and Lord, that they'll fill their area, and they will have lots of people here that need to be saved. And we're going to praise your name for using them, and we're going to glorify your name for allowing us to be a part of what you have asked all of us to do. We pray in the precious name of Christ. Amen. And turn it to the pastor. Amen. God bless you guys for being here tonight. Give Pastor Gene a big round of applause. Amen. Amen. Mary, will you help him back to his table? Dr. Gene, you want to, or, or Nolan, help him back to his table. Get something off his table if you want it tonight. Uh, hey, real quick, guys, listen. Y'all don't even know how much God has used this man. It's just incredible. We were talking football earlier tonight before we came. We were talking. Uh, he said his, his, his favorite team is the Atlanta Falcons. His second favorite team is the Houston Texans. So uh, I'm going to let him make it here. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, he said he did not like the Dallas Cowboys uh, owner, owner, owner. He said he liked the Cowboys third somewhere. But what he did tell me I thought was really unique, and uh, we started talking about ministers and people who are saved and they're superstars. And did you know that Dr. Gene took Tim Tebow's dad to the Philippine Islands when he became uh, a missionary? He took him the first trip, Tim Tebow's dad, and they're great friends. So you're setting in a, a man with a great honor and integrity and courage, man. He's been serving God all of his life and knows a lot of people. So, And who was with me when Termite Watkins came? Anybody was with me when Termite came? Remember him, the boxer? He's going to be with us either tonight or tomorrow. I mean, tomorrow night or the next night, too. Him and Dr. Gene are great friends. So make sure you make stand. Get somebody here tomorrow night. Don't stop coming because it's Monday and you're tired. Get here Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm going to be here. Be here with me. Amen. Praise God. Bless y'all. Y'all are dismissed. Amen.